You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we go. Another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Another edition of our look back on the Wizards under Ernie Grunfeld with Mr. Michael Lee from The Vertical and Yahoo. I think at this point I feel like I've kept you hostage here. I mean, we're doing this, spreading this podcast over a few, a, a, a few days, but we're doing a, a long session. I'm, I'm just cutting up. You're, you're doing all right over there? Because yeah, I mean, this is this is tough stuff. I mean, this is I feel like it's almost like I'm making you go through non-flashbacks here, things you've had to deal with in life. I'm sure your life got interrupted in in, in different points. You were out doing something fun, all of a sudden, boom, Gilbert Arenas makes news. You're out doing something, boom, the Wizards make a move, or just yeah, night after night after night, you have to deal with loss. And... I'll never forget uh, when I found out that Andre Blatch and Javale McGee got into a fight outside of a club on Christmas uh, Day. On Christmas Eve, I'm sorry. On Christmas Eve, I found out that they got into a fight. And uh, so I had to write that on Christmas Eve. And then I had to have, you know, sort of non-denial denials coming out. And then the very next day, on Christmas Day, having uh, announced, Wizards announced that they were suspended. So leaving the dinner table to go write about these guys. I'm sure that went over well. You know, I have a very understanding wife and I have good uh friends and people who were at dinner that night who uh, allowed me to step away to write a story about guys getting suspended for fighting uh, outside of a club. So yeah, that, that wasn't fun. So it was good to move into an era where they had to worry about that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So this may end up being the last podcast we do of this, but we've still got a bunch of topics to go. So we'll see if we can bang them out. Uh, the plane here right at the top. The 2011 NBA draft, yes, that's Jan Vesely, but it wasn't just Jan Vesely that year. No, we want to get into that. Uh, Randy Whitman as a whole, to some degree, I, we want to get, get into. By the way, I may sneak in there the Sean Livingston 2.0 aspect of that because that ties in with Whitman, and uh, I think you've got some interesting stuff on that one. And then lastly, we're going to wrap it up with the 2016-2017 Wizards, this team that right now is sort of uh, the, 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 at, at the time we're recording this, They've just won three out of four games, but I don't know. They don't necessarily feel like a team that's on the rise like that. But we'll get into that and more specifically with that, the free agency moves they made and how did the KD to DC aspect of everything blend, tie in with that. But first, uh, Michael, oh, and I guess let me just say, if you want to follow us on iTunes, we would love that. Please subscribe on iTunes so you won't miss any of the podcasts. Also, you can find us on Audio Boom or pretty much anywhere you do your podcasting. If you got a second to drop a review, it helps people find the podcast and makes us feel good. Be honest, that's going to work for sure. Um, also, hit us up on Twitter at Locked On Wizards. I'm at Ben Standing. Michael is at Mr. Michael Lee. Mr. Michael Lee. Was there was there another M- Michael Lee when you first? I mean, that's fairly common. There are tons of Michael. Yeah. Lees. So so that, that yeah. was that the that was the first one you could figure out. Yeah, I was like, I can go with this one, and no one's gonna have it. So yeah. I think that it gives you a certain sophistication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but without being like, call me Mister, because you know, in real <laughs> life, it'd be like, I don't know about that. But yeah, Twitter, I think that's, uh, I think it's a good way to go. It keeps you above the fray of the, uh, of the, of, of the crowd there. <laughs> the trolls. Yeah, oh, Twitter trolls. So <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. All right. So let's get into this. Everybody, if we're going to talk, and, and as a reminder, the premise of these podcasts, we're looking back at the Ernie Grunfeld era because every time I ask anybody for questions, I'm sure it's happened to Michael a million times, 
people want to know, how is Ernie Grunfeld still the president of the Wizards? He's been here. We talked about it on the first podcast. He's been here now, I think, this is 13 years. 13 years. 14th season. Right? Yeah, arrived in 2003. Um, he's taken the, the Wizards have gone to the playoffs six times in his run. They've won three series. Before that, they only had one they had one playoff series win in 24 seasons. But obviously, they haven't really been in contention. And the lows, I feel like I've said guns in the locker room like 18 times already, or maybe more. <laughs> the JaVale and Andre Blatch situation. So there were highs, there were lows. And not even highs in an NBA sense. There were mediums. There were wizard-level highs. Yeah, wizard-level highs. But the question is, with, with each of these moves, trades, drafts, what have you, what was the thinking in the moment? Did did things go awry? Was it the right plan? Can we explain it away other than just to say, boy, it didn't work out? Stupid. Yeah. Then when we talk about the draft, I think above almost every pick that he's made, some of them have been good, John Wall, Bradley Beal, what have you. But when you look at the bad ones, there's been a few. I don't think anybody ranks better <laughs> than in 2011 with the sixth overall pick, the Wizards take Jan Vesely. They also had uh, they also had Chris Singleton that year, and they took Shelvin Mack. I know for one, I was thinking, wow, the Wizards just had a pretty good draft. Now, I didn't know much about Jan Vesely. I don't think too many of us did. Even though 2011 is not that long ago, the even for media and fans, if you're not truly an NBA draft person like the Chad Forbes or the Draft Express guys who are going overseas, the overseas guys are tough to see. I mean, now it's easier because ESPN puts on all these international – games and tournaments and then you can see clips on youtube but in 2011 it was a little more closer to the stone age yeah and there were a lot of international players that year you had enos Cantor, you had bismack biombo you had Jonas valanciunas you had jan vesely i want i look back at, at at some uh uh you know so, some of the draft coverage of jan vesely at the time and and my my basic thing was this look you can't spin this. It didn't work out, right? Jan Vesely, I mean, we can explain, and, I, and we'll get into maybe why it didn't work out, but it didn't work out. Three years, he's out of the league. Yeah. If you look at the picks in that draft, some guys took a little bit longer to come around. A lot of really good picks. A lot, lot of really good picks in, the, in, that, <laughs> in that draft, including guys that came after him. Especially uh, guys that came after him. Yeah, I mean. Uh, from Clay Thompson to Kawhi Leonard. Who, who's Jimmy, the guy I, I wanted? To Jimmy Kem- Butler, Kimball Walker. Um, Kenneth Reed was later. Reed. He was even after Singleton. Um, yeah, there have been a lot of great players come out of the 2011 draft, a lot more than we even thought at the time. Cause it was sort of considered to be a weak draft going in. But now I'm starting to look back and like, there's no really, not too many weak drafts. I mean, hey, just a quick timeout for a message from our new sponsor. Yes, a new sponsor for Locked On Wizards, our friends at SeatGeek. And yes, of course, the NBA season is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the game you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being at the game for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and look, obviously, I'm at a lot of games for work purposes, but when I need to go find tickets... I found that it's by far the easiest way to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek Prices compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. 
and SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. And also, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's how you do it. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOWizards, as in Locked on Wizards, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOWizards today. All right, back to the podcast. It'll be interesting, in fact, that you say that because other than Kyrie at the top, it was a lot of uncertainty, and I think that's how people felt about this draft, the 2016 draft. And I I definitely rationalized when the Wizards traded away the pick to get Markeith Morris that, hey, there's a lot of uncertainty in this draft. And you're right, you don't know what's going to happen. The point, though, is what can you at that moment best assume will happen? You're playing the odds in a lot of ways. And in 2011, it was a lot of unknown. But all that said, I look back at Draft Express as one of their – uh, profiles of Vesta. I think Draft Express is a pretty good. Yeah, I do too. Pretty good tell you guys. Yeah, used... With my colleagues. Yeah, there you go. I wasn't even saying that for that aspect. So I'm looking <laughs> here. Uh, in June of 2011, they're talking about Jan Vesely, and here are some of the things that says. And you and, and you look back and you're like, well, wait a minute. What what what's going on here? It it, it talks about how um, Jan Vesely's usage rate ranks last among a um, group of prospects at just 10 possessions per game, which hints at the fairly limited role he played offensively for his team overseas. Okay. That's interesting because when you once saw him play, you're like, yeah, well, he's not very good at offense. Okay. That's interesting. Then it says, um, he was, despite not seeing a lot of, uh, not having a lot of possession, he nevertheless ranked as the fifth most turnover prone among this group. Okay. He was not a terribly effective as a jump shooter. Well, that was definitely true. Very evident. Very evident. But this is where things then get, you can see where the Ernie, where Ernie Grunfeld and others, because Jan Vesely was not picked out of the blue. Everybody had him going. He was the European player, young player of the year. Everybody had him going six to the Wizards. Yes. And I didn't, I, nobody was saying this is bad. No. Draft Express says, on the other hand, Vesely's athleticism shines through with the way he was able to convert opportunities around the basket. I'm skipping around here. He ranks among the most effective finishers off cuts, offensive rebounds, post-ups, and transitions. He was able to draw free throws at the third highest rate. Making is another story. <laughs> and then it closes with, if Vesely can shore up his ball handling and perimeter shooting ability, he has all the makings of an incredibly versatile player. This was the scouting report on Jan Vesely. And I don't know what all the other teams thought, but this was from the public scouting reports that we would say very common. Jan Vesely was not some guy that the Wizards randomly picked out of nowhere. When 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 OKC took Westbrook fourth, p- people didn't have Westbrook going fourth. No, that was I didn't. that was a, a a statement. This was f- falling in line essentially with consensus. Clearly, consensus was off. But when we were evaluating the pick, it's. This goes back to how I try to be realistic with the world. I get it; it didn't work, but we'll get into we'll get into why in a second. But the consensus was that Jan Vesely was a very interesting player. Now, again, it also notes that uh, 
every flaw turned out to be why he's no longer in the league. <laughs> right. I also looked at Chad Ford had a thing. It wasn't his mock draft, but he put players into tiers that year. The first tier had no players in the whole draft, not the top tier. <laughs> the second tier had Kyrie Irving and Derek Williams. One of those was legit. Kyrie should obviously be in the top tier, but okay. Yeah, I remember people were really wanted to draft uh, Derek. Oh, absolutely. Everybody would have been thrilled with Derek if they'd gotten Derek Williams, and he still plays, but yeah, he's a guy. The third tier. Here are the players that are in the third tier. Enos Cantor, Brandon Knight, Kawhi Leonard, Jonas Valanciunas, Kemba Walker, Jan Vesely. To any of those other guys, to varying degrees, people are pretty excited. Except for the one guy that the Wizards ended up taking. So again, it's not to say that you only get credit for what you do. They pick the guy who's out of the league after three years. But just in terms of the consensus, it wasn't that the Wizards took somebody that was going, this is terrible. It's like if you're talking about the Redskins, we could argue whether they should have traded a bunch of picks to get RG3. Nobody said that they shouldn't have picked RG3 if you had the second pick. Yeah. That things went the way they went, ultimately, is a separate story. Jan Vesely at six was a pick that everybody was suggesting. This is the move to make. I did not think that they messed up with that pick at the time. I thought that everything that they did afterward was an was a extreme mistake. Everything meaning with how they handled Jan Vesely. It was a blunder. And it hurt that there was a lockout that came immediately after he was drafted. I think that that set back that draft class for, for the Wizards more than anything in that the coaching staff, they were not really able to get with these guys and to do anything worthwhile with them. They never had a summer league. They didn't have a chance to really go to a program with the coaches. They were sort of just left on their own and sort of left to wonder what in the hell am I going to be doing while they figure out when I'm going to play for the first time. So that 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 was the first thing that worked against those guys when they came here. Second thing that worked against Jan in particular is this is a guy who came here. Um, he spoke a little bit of English, not a lot. So he still was trying to grasp the language, which is a tough adjustment. For anybody coming to a new country. By the way, I'm just picturing the Jan Vesely Wizards career on a stock chart. The peak was the, the literally kiss. the first moment. The kiss. The kiss was the the, the, the first kiss moment. Was the best. Yeah. <laughs> and that then is, that is his career highlight. <laughs> Not any dunk or anything else he did. The kiss was the career highlight. Ugh. But so I'm saying he came here uh, without having any confidence, and I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but his very first week here. Flip Saunders hired a shooting coach to come work specifically with Jan Vesely's form to, 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 because he had already told him, your shot stinks. So his confidence from the moment he got here was eroded every single day. So, and I still feel like, you know, there you know, there were a lot of things that kept coming to, to, to shake up his confidence to where it was going to be really tough for him to make it with this team. And, um, and I, I really look at, at like that, the one, the shooting coach the first day, then I think he got injured. Um, so he was sort of held back from starting his career. So it took him like a month or so before it really came on. So by the time he started playing, you would sort of see flashes. 
because he wasn't a great offensive player. But they knew that from the time they drafted him. He wasn't a guy that he wasn't Dirk Nowitzki. Like he was, he didn't have a jump shot. What he was, and what I always thought that they should have tried to make him out to be, was a potential Birdman, where all he has to do is make rim runs, catch lobs, block shots, rebound, and just run the floor. That's all he had to do. Unfortunately, he only got the opportunity to do that for one month out of his, out of his career. And, and I don't know if you remember, the month of April, um, his last month of his rookie year, Jan Vesely started, I think, eight or nine games. And he wound up averaging nine points and seven rebounds during that stretch. So I've, I've uh, just pulled it up here. In April, he played 15 games. He played 27 minutes. He had only played more than no more than 17 in any other uh, session. He averaged 8.5 and seven rebounds over those 15 games. So maybe if it's which yeah, like I said, nine and seven over 15 games, which to me is a pretty solid sample size of what he could do as a rookie. You know, not like he's the greatest. Now, I think he had one game where he was perfect from the field. I think he had one. He may have made like all six of his shots or all seven of his shots. He's also getting offensive rebounds. He was averaging yeah. over a steal a game. Yeah, he was getting steals. He was getting dunks. He was doing all these flashy things. Even the free throw, which was the the the, the bane of his existence, he shot sixty four percent that month, which isn't yeah, great. Mean, but if you can shoot sixty four percent, you don't have to get taken off the yeah. court like so, a like so while, so while he was playing that month, his confidence was extremely high, and he was and he was looked like I looked like I thought he was going to actually be. A decent player. I, didn't, I never thought he was going to be a star per se. I thought he'd be a decent player. So he 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 overcomes his confidence in his shot. You know, he overcomes you know the the just the doubt of just being in America by himself. And he has a pretty decent last month of the season. What happens within two months? They trade for Mecca Okafor and Trevor Ariza, two guys that can. You know, Trevor can play stretch four. So he basically just got two guys to take away all of his minutes. So that meant that he had no role in his second season with the team. I mean, not that he necessarily had to be the starter, but he went from, like, starting the last 15 games to not being in the rotation his second year. So you shattered him again. Like, like you didn't invest in any way into making sure that he had a viable career. And you never once figured out exactly what he could do on the court. And when he got out there, he was a mess. He was he was a shell of himself. So I know I'm in the minority, and I know that a lot of people don't agree with me. But if I hadn't seen that month of his rookie year, when I saw him play some play some really solid games, um, I still think there was a player there. But I also don't think that there was an environment here to where he could thrive. So I know a lot of times fans get caught up in saying, oh, the Wizards should have taken this guy or the Wizards should have taken that guy. But <laughs> unless you are like a super-duper talent like John Wall or even a Bradley Bill to where you can overcome the, the shortcomings of your organization, it, it's tough to make it with the Wizards, like especially right away. And that's one of the reasons why like Chris Singleton, I think, lost. Um, I, I, I remember, you know, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know that Jan would – be a contributor right away. And I remember uh, like uh, me and Chris Miller used to have a nickname for uh, Chris Singleton. We used to call him lottery protection <laughs> because, um, you know, if, if, if Yon didn't work out, they had Chris Singleton there 
And Chris was just a guy who I felt had the potential to be something if he just accepted what he was. And he kept wanting to either be like a small forward. And I guess in his mind, that's what he was. But the Wizards' best lineups were when he was playing, you know, kind of power forward. And he never really could be a stretch forward because he couldn't shoot to that well. But I always thought that he could just be an energy guy. He could be like a Patrick Patterson type where he could just come in and, you know, get you a couple exciting dunks. And, you know, he could space the floor in a way that wouldn't necessarily be a three-point shooter. Um, but for whatever reason, he just resisted that. He thought he had to be like a swing man. And they could never convince him that he wasn't. Well, in that first year, they played only played 66 games. He played all of them. He started 51. Yeah. I remember there were nights when he's getting destroyed by Carmelo. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, boy, this, you know, what is this going to do for this kid's confidence? But that aside, he's playing a lot of minutes. He did. But to your point, he's made about the, the acquisition of Ariza. And, yeah, and then they traded him. Yeah. And, and they acquired Martel Webster. Yeah. So within within that span, this guy who just started 51 games essentially got pushed to the back of the line. I mean, maybe with Martel, you weren't quite sure what you were yeah. going to get, but quickly that became clear that Martel was good, was, was ready to go. He went from playing starting to back in the line, and this is a guy. And I remember talking to him every media day. It was definitely a felt like it was almost like a therapy session, sort of like he's <laughs> you you checking in on his confidence. How you doing? And yeah, and it, it, I don't know if it was shell shock from that first year of, of being overmatched at times as a rookie yeah. to then the next year where they don't have don't seemingly have space for him. And then also, uh, so he was told me it gets right. Twenty eleven twelve, Flip Saunders is fired early in the twenty twelve thirteen season. No, so, twenty eleven twelve. Twenty eleven twelve. Okay, so Whitman comes in. We'll get to Whitman in a little bit, but Randy Whitman's deal basically always was my impression. He was playing for that day. Yes. He needed to win that game, that yes. quarter. He that he lived. He was in the moment. His job was always on. Like he was always right in jeopardy of losing his job. Right, and because and of he that, coached that way. right, and because yeah. of that, whether we're talking about Jan Vesely, Kevin Serafin, Otto Porter, not Wall and Beal, they were put they to were the, front, the franchise. Yeah. But everybody else, if you kind of sort of didn't have it that day, you he made no time for you. No time, and you might have been on the bench till. Somebody got in foul trouble or hurt or who knows. And, you know, look, I think in terms of the current Wizards, I think Kelly Oubre is so confident he he, he could probably deal with that. But a lot of these guys, regular human beings, who don't have a Kanye-type level of ego, <laughs> I mean, that's good for him, but that they that, – that isn't going to work. And I think also that combined with, with these guys that's already not quite sure what they are, they're trying to figure it out, and then you have this coach who's trying to – play for that minute not giving them consistent run you talk any athlete you talk to they want to know what their role is if you give them a consistent role assuming they have the talent to get it done they'll figure out how to get it done but when you're getting pulled in and out of the lineup constantly then i think that's where big things become trouble especially when you're a young guy and that's what happened with those picks and that that's that was one of the reasons why i mean i understood that the objective was to be more competitive and that's why they made the okafor read the trade and it and it had its benefits Definitely long-term benefits and helping the Wizards get become a playoff team, but I think you 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 were immediately sacrificing your draft. You you basically kicked aside the 2011 draft, you know, for the sake of you know some some short-term progress, which uh, which hasn't lasted very long. I mean, who who knows if if uh, right now 
uh, you know, Jan is playing in Europe and, and playing very well because the team there knows exactly what he is. He's a guy <laughs> that's going to get rebounds, block shots, and dunk. You know, that's that's what he does. He's not ever going to be a guy that spreads the floor. And and I think that when you have a, a, guy, a point guard like John Wall, you want to have as many athletes as you can around him. You want to have athletes and shooters around him. And one thing that the team is lacking now is athletes and shooters, you know, because John just wants to drive into the lane, and when the defense collapses, you just toss it up and just see who can throw it down. John can do that. I mean, he wasn't given a chance to do that much here, but he can do it. Like, he, he did some things, you know. I remember one time in New Orleans, um, there was a game where Jan took off just inside the free throw line. Like, he took one step inside the free throw line during a game and threw down a, a dunk. Right. Like, and I'm like, yo, this guy can, you know, he's not, he's not the most skilled player, but there are some, there is something there that you can benefit from if you figure it out. And there just wasn't the patience um, there to figure it out. And uh, they, they became, you know, the sacrifices that had to be made for the team to, to go forward another way. But it was unfortunate um, because I thought at the time they actually had a pretty good draft. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we mentioned Singleton. I mean, we, we, we everybody knows about it. You could have had, hypothetically, Clay Thompson. I wanted Kawhi. Kawhi goes several picks later, so obviously a lot of other teams didn't agree, but it is what it is. Um, but after Singleton, the next six picks after Chris Singleton, Tobias Harris, Dante Smiley-Unis, Nolan Smith, who bounced pretty quickly, Kenneth Fareed, Nicola Miritich, Reggie Jackson. So, and, like, I really thought Chris Singleton was going to work, yeah. It it just didn't. Then the second round they take Shelvin Mack. This is I'm like wow. I, Shelvin Mack was a good, really good college player. I figured he was he had been playing at that level for a while. He played at a high level. They make the NCAA finals games that you thought were horrendous because it was <gasps> brought basketball back twelve decades. But they sure did. <laughs> those I Butler love Brad Stevens as an NBA coach. He did not like Butler basketball. But uh, but yeah, Shelvin Mack it didn't work out either, and I think partly because of he wasn't ready to contribute right away. And Randy, I remember the summer league after his first year, he was maybe the fourth best point guard the Wizards had on the summer league team that year. Um, and it just didn't work out. They quickly moved on from him. And obviously he's still playing in the league. Ironically, last year he beats out Trey Burke in Utah. Trey Burke ends up here. <laughs> we'll get to that. That's another story. That's another story. Um, and so the, a draft that was so promising, if any of the three hit, when you combine it with Wall, because look at the team right now with Wall, with Beal, with Otto, it, the one pick any of them. Yeah, if one yeah. of these guys makes it, that gives you that seventh or eighth guy right now. That could be the that alone could be the difference in how we look at where the Wizards are, are, are at. Um, yeah, no, I'm saying like you, you could, we could, we can name so many guys from the 2011 draft they could have taken instead of the two guys that they did. But you also have to ask yourself if they had taken any of the other guys, would they have wound up in the same situation? You know, and that, that that's sort of what I wonder uh, sometimes, too. It's like, yeah, they could have had these guys. Like, it would have been great if they had drafted Kawhi Leonard and he turned into a finals MVP. But was that really going to happen for him in Washington? You know, and, and it's just, uh, if you if you name the guys that came after him, look at the team that they went to and look at the environment that they landed in, chances are, like a guy like Reggie Jackson, he went to Oklahoma City. So he's playing with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, and he's learning that culture right away, like, I got to work hard if I want to make it in the NBA. And those are the people that he was learning with. When the, when those guys came here in 2011, they're still 
three amigos that are right here. You know, and that's that. Those, these are the guys put up front by the organization. So uh, when they arrived, there wasn't much there that, in terms of a culture that that they could embrace and, and they could learn from. So the environment that the Wizards had established at that point just wasn't going to be conducive to them being successful. And then once they decided to just say we got to win now, and they made that trade, they got pushed aside. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think that Jan Vesely, and also the, the fact that he's not playing the NBA isn't to say that he can't. I think it's just, yeah. at some point he decided for himself, I'm better off I'm going here. over there. McQuamie Brown played a decade in the league, never was, a, was rarely a, a, a big rotation player, but he played. I don't I think Jan Vesely could have had, or even could still to some point still have a year. I know Sharina yeah. is the former Maryland player, was on the Olympic level stage, was one of the 10 best players in the world playing for Lithuania. When he came to the NBA, he was a fourth guard. Yeah. And he, ultimately, he came in for a minute, played up there. Juan Carlos Navarro, something somewhere. Yeah. You guys could play here, but, you know, there's lifestyle, there's minutes, there's whatever it is. It may be better off. You feel comfort level. You go somewhere Europe, else. I think he's just comfortable there. Yeah. I think it's just and – it, and there was just nothing for him to really connect with here. I just – I feel like uh, – and I don't know. I, I, I'm one who believes that if, if they had created a better environment for Jan, I think he would have been successful. I mean, yeah. All right. And because this is how this is, keeps going, we keep talking long. i got to break this into another podcast. But we'll end <laughs> this one here. We'll come back with another podcast on the Locked On Wizards Network uh, with Michael Lee. Uh, keep looking for us. We'll be back. Hold on one minute. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily podcast on the Washington Wizards. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.